women have a unique role in creation. Women are the nurturers, the birth givers, the more spiritual of the genders, and Torah teaches that women have a special status. Join Mashi Lipska for the next hour as she expounds the Torah wisdom specific to women. Only on 101.9 High FM. Aguten Erev Shabbos. Aguten Erev Shabbos. Special Shabbos. Shabbos is always special. But each Shabbos is unique and brings us not only a lesson but empowers us to be able to draw into our own lives from that very lesson. Chayei Sarah. The life of Sarah. This is the only parasha named for a woman. Even Avraham and Yitzchak and Yaakov, they don't have a parsha named for them. How is Sarah unique? The matriarch Sarah. Not only how is she unique and eternal and still teaching us to this very day, but how is it that the very parsha that is all about after her life, after her death. Doesn't the Parsha begin with Avraham burying Sarah, buying a plot in which to bury Sarah Imenu? How is it that there's nothing in this Parsha that took place during her lifetime, and yet it's called the life of Sarah? And Torah, of course, is true. Torah is telling us amazing things. In addition, everything in a Parsha must be incorporated in the name of the Parsha. How is it that buying a plot of land in which to bury her, how is it that the marriage, the sh- looking for a Shidduch, a match, and arranging the match and the marriage that takes place to her precious Yitzchak with the wonderful Rivka, which only takes place after her passing, three years after her passing, is also about the Chaye Sarah, the life of Sarah. How is it that Avraham remarrying Hagar, the Egyptian princess, can also be called, can also be drawn in under the umbrella of the life of Sarah and ultimately the lineage of Yishmael, the life of Sarah. We need to explore what is life, what is true life, what is lasting life, what is valuable, what never changes. When it comes to wealth, in our generation, there's a lot of wealth, there's a lot of greed. What's the downside of having all this in the material sense, all these possessions? What's the downside? Unfortunately, we get caught up in the external. I need money. I need money to buy houses, cars, tablets, 
vacations. I need money to enjoy myself. I need money for clothing, for parties, for air travel. I need money for education. I need, I need, I need money, 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 money. Unfortunately, we so often get caught up in the external and we call it life. Remember that story with the Rebbe's foremost secretary, Rabbi Chaim Mordechai Isaac Chodakov. And Rabbi Chodakov, a superb educator, Rabbi Chodakov, an incredible, incredible mind and heart who was initially a big educator in Riga and later became the Rebbe's main secretary. And Rabbi Chodakov was a wonderful speaker and he once spoke at a gathering. And at that gathering... I think it might have been like get ahead in life or whatever. And he began to speak. He said, we've come to a time when people are even concerned when their child is tiny to stimulate them with colors and numbers and stories and music. Why? So they can get ahead in life. Take them to a school where this continues. Trying to get them into that school becomes a matter of great concern so they can develop and get ahead in life. And so it goes throughout school, primary school, so they can get into a good high school, so they can get into a good university, so they can get ahead in life. They can do well in university so they can get a good job. Why? So they can get ahead in life. And he's talking on and on. Why? So they can buy houses and cars and they can buy things and support their family so they can get ahead in life. And eventually he turned around and he said, but nobody thinks about what is life. Where are you running? What are you trying to get ahead of? Chaye Sarah, the matriarch Sarah has a lot to teach us. We'll be right back after this. You're listening to Conversations with Mashi only on 101.9 High FM. I'm Mashi Lipsker. It's Erev Parshas Chaye Sarah. And I cannot resist remembering the late Rosa Schwartz, Oleha Shalom. I'm sure I spoke about it last year. She had a shop, a ladies' dress shop in Hillbrow. I believe she was a widow. She had two daughters, Marley and Sharon. And she was part of our Yeovil community. And every year on this Shabbos, she would have a girls' Shabbos. She would invite all our daughters. And they would eat Shabbos afternoon lunch. They'd eat the Shabbos afternoon suda with Rosa Schwartz, Aleha Shalem. And it has remained, not just with me, but with my girls, remembering her, connecting her to the Parsha. So it's Chaye Sora, the life of Sora. 
But everything's about after her life. But the four things in the parsha actually point out what her life was about and how everything in the parsha showed how Sarah continued to live. You see, Sarah lived authentically. She lived a hundred years and twenty years and seven years. And Rashi tells us that it's all repeated and broken up years, years, years. Each one to teach us something remarkable that existed and persisted throughout her life. And that was that no matter what happened to her, she looked at it as kulon shovin letoiva. They were all equal in good. So connected was she that she understood and actually internalized, felt, and was energized by the teaching that only good comes down from above. Yes, it might get diffused and look, God forbid, the opposite of good, but nothing falls outside of God's direct providence. He made it happen. He is good. Therefore, it must be good. I mean, how can you compare good? The time that her son Yitzchak, at the age of 90, she has a baby. He's finally born. That's good. The time she was kidnapped and taken to the palace of Pharaoh, can you compare the two? The time that she had to go against her nature and insist that Abraham banish, chase away his firstborn, Yishmael, out. She had to break her nature, which is a nature of kindness. How could that have felt? Sarah, who together with Avram are the epitome of chesed to the point where we're told that midas ha-chesed, the divine attribute of chesed, complained to Hashem and said, I'm out of a job. In the lifetime of Abraham, he's doing chesed better than me. He surpasses me. He's superior to me. When she had to break her nature to chase a child, a young man and his mother out of the house, kulon shovin letoiva. Everything was equally good. And therefore... No matter what happened to her, her connection to Hashem didn't just remain strong. It grew stronger. The number 100 signifies perfection, 10 times 10. No matter what throughout her life, there was a sense of completion. The number 20 is a number of maturity, Sarah Imenu, even in maturity, even at the age of 20, when one is just starting to be responsible for one's actions, 
she carried that piety throughout her life. She was consistent. Cool on Shavin Latova. At seven, at twenty, at a hundred, at a hundred like twenty and seven. Throughout her life, a hundred. No matter what happened, she remained free of transgression and had the innocence of a seven-year-old. Not the naivete, the purity. Not the prudishness, the purity. Sarah was a queen. The word, Sarah. She reigns over. She is sovereign. She reigned over herself. She reigned over whatever happened to her in her life. Kulon Shavin Latova. And the most important thing we need to remember is only four women carry the name Mame. Sarah, Rivka, Rachel, and she's the first. She's the trailblazer. And we carry the potential to be Sarah's children, royal, sovereign, complete, balanced, pious, and pure. Sarah, throughout her life, no matter what happened to her, she was happy. She was connected. But she did rise to the occasion. When things had to be done, she was able to go against her nature. How many people say, it's not me, don't ask me to do that, I'm not the type. You know what? If you talk to people who are in the limelight, as it were, very few were necessarily the type. And I'm going to speak about what's happening in New York at the moment. In New York, 5,000 emissaries of the Rebbe have gathered. Amongst them, many of our own Rabbonim. Each and every one, an emissary of the Lubavitcher Rebbe somewhere in the world, some in bigger cities, some in small towns, But I can speak for myself. I can speak for so many of my colleagues. We weren't the type. We weren't the type. We didn't have necessarily the training. We didn't have the street smarts. We had one thing, connection, wanting to make a difference, understanding how much the Rebbe had given to us, how much he had connected us, to our sweet Father in Heaven, even in these turbulent, messy times, and wanting to be part of his incredible vision, a vision of goodness, holiness, sweetness, peace, health, fulfillment for all of mankind. Were we equipped? No. We had couple of bottom line um, requisites. Number one, we are children of Avraham and Sarah, who were the first ones, the first shluchim, the first emissaries. They began to change the world. 
they were really thinkers out of the box. Everybody thought one way. They not only thought, but they put their ideals into action. And today, when we read that parsha, we connect very, very strongly with our matriarch Sarah, with Avraham Avinu, with Yitzchak Avinu, with Rivka Imenu. They're all in the parsha, and they have so much not only to give us, but they yearn to bless us, for they are parents. And what parents want more than anything is for their children to have a good life. So we were speaking before the break. What is life? We need to look. Look into Torah. Look into the example. The deeds of the parents. These parents are an indication and also an empowerment to the children. They did it first. It's no longer that difficult. And what are some of the things that they did? Number one, Avraham insisted on purchasing a plot in Eretz Yisrael. He knew that later on in life, later on in history, there would be contention. There would be, in some people's minds, a blurring of the lines as to who owned what in that part of the world. And he wanted to put it on record. And when they wanted to give him the land, for he was a prince amongst them, he said, no, 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 I am going to pay. I'm going to pay the full price. I'm going to give you coins that are over la soicher. I'm going to give you coins that are accepted, that are recognized as being full weight wherever, wherever they go. You know, there's certain brand names. Avram's coins were a brand name. And everyone said, oh, that's quality. Sarah loved the land. And it's a tribute to her for the way she lived and walked with Avraham, the length and the breadth of the land, that the Parsha after her death begins with the acquisition, the purchase of this cave and this field that now is documented in the oldest document in the world, the Torah. Secondly, the second part speaks of the marriage of Yitzchak to Rivka. And we find at the end, after Rivka is brought back, after the lengthy discussion and negotiations, and she's brought back, she comes into the tent of Sarah, her late mother-in-law. Yitzchak brings her into the tent of Sarah, his mother, and three wonderful things happen. In Sarah's lifetime, there were three apparent, clear signs of Sarah's connection to the one above. And they were clear signs in this physical world. Number one, there was a cloud that could always be seen that was attached to her tent. A cloud hovered over her tent, tied. It was there consistently. Anon kosher al ha'oihel. 
Secondly, there was a blessing found in her dough. It never soured, and those who ate of her baking were not only physically nourished and felt full for a long time, but there was a spiritual sensitizing, a spiritual nourishment. Also in Sarah's life, the candles that she lit before Shabbos on a Friday remained lit throughout the week. And only in time to light them again the next week, they went out. When Sarah passed away, these three manifestations of God's presence in the physical departed. Abraham lit candles. There was bread. But it wasn't the same. His candles burnt like yours and mine a couple of hours. But when Yitzchak brought Rivka into his mother's tent, after Eliezer had told him of all her kindness, and Eliezer, the servant, was convinced that she would be perfect for that household and to carry on the legacy carry on the heritage of the Jewish people that we must be connected to God the tent having this wonderful cloud presence our food the physical must be imbued with holiness and the candle must burn from Shabbos to Shabbos These three represent the three special mitzvahs that are handed over to the Jewish woman. The cloud represents the water immersion in the mikvah on a regular basis. The blessing in the dough represents kashrut, meticulous kashrut, which not only sustains physically, but sensitizes and nourishes spiritually. And the candle? Well... Kiner Hashem Nishmat Adam. Our soul is God's candle. We're here in this world to bring light to others. We're here to illuminate. We're here to bring hope, to uplift. And that's what Sarah did. She constantly did that. The woman. When Yitzchak heard that Rivka was so generous that not only did she give Eliezer to drink and his men to drink, but offered to also water his camels. This was beyond the norm. And she felt that he felt that she would be perfect for Avraham's generous, hospitable household. But Yitzchak was not yet convinced. And he waited even though the cloud came back. And even though there was blessing in the dough, he waited to see if her candles would remain lit from Erev Shabbos to Erev Shabbos. Because that would mean not only is there connection to God, but there is reaching out to others to illuminate their lives, even in the darkness of the mundane week. We'll be right back after this. You're listening to Conversations with Mashi only on 101.9 High FM. Let's talk for another moment. A beautiful insight that the Rebbe offers that 
As mentioned, Avraham lit the candles for Shabbos because a man must light the candles. A home must have candles. But his candles did not remain lit throughout the week as Sarah's did. But when Rivka began, when she came back as Yitzchak's wife and lit those Shabbos candles, miraculously, they continued to burn throughout the week. What does this tell us? It shows the unique ability of Jewish women and girls, for we are all the daughters of Sarah and Rivka and Rachel and Leah. As they did, we have the ability to influence the mundane. We can influence the spiritual character of our homes. We can light it up with the holiness of Shabbos throughout the week. Although the week is spent doing mundane activities, we've got to cook, we've got to clean, we've got to see to the children. We have to see to the homework, we have to see to the husband. Yes, we have to bring Seder, practical order, physical order into the home. The way we do all of these things can bring the holiness, the Shabbos, as it were, throughout the entire mundane week. Even though our candles might not be seen except for a short time, but the spiritual idea of Shabbos, the spiritual illumination, continues throughout the week. That is a heritage that we have from Sarah Rivka and Rachel and Leah. Remember, this Sunday, 24th November, Please come and join the Hachnasat Sifrei Torah Parade. Three Torahs will be dedicated in honor of our venerable Dayanim, who have served our community with mastery, with selflessness. The parade will begin at quarter to five, 4.45 p.m. In Glen Hazel, it will start from 37 Corbel Crescent up to Yeshiva College. Be there. So the Parsha is an incredible Parsha. It speaks to us about kindness. Because Eliezer prayed that it be that the maiden to whom I will say, please, tilt your pitcher. Tilt your jug so that I may drink. And if she says, drink, and I'll also give water to your camels, she'll be the one that you, Hashem, prayed Eliezer, have designated for Yitzchak. There's an incredible insight here from the Rebbe. God lacks nothing. And yet, what's the main way that he relates to this world? He relates to this world with generosity, endless generosity. For the same reason, people who feel closely connected to Hashem emulate God. They, too, are very generous. Amazing thought. Hashem is generous, and we we speak about how do we cleave to God, and our sages tell us, As he is kind, be kind. As he is compassionate, be compassionate.
people who feel closely connected to Hashem. They're generous. Well, the opposite, unfortunately, is that evil is selfish. No matter how much an evil person possesses, he's never filled up. So he's just trying to take, 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 and not give. And we understand in today's world, he doesn't feel good enough, he doesn't feel worthy enough, it's possessions that he's trying to collect to make himself feel better, and there is a place for that. But Eliezer looked for a woman for Yitzchak who would display kindness. And when Rivka went beyond his specific specifications, and she offered to also water his camels, he understood she was a godly person. And he understood she was a fitting match for the son of Abraham. He just asked for a drink. And she said, I'll also give your camels. Let's think about it. What do we want in life? Well, the previous Rebbe speaks about, in the name of his father, I think, that true Jewish wealth is not houses, it's not possessions, it's children. It's children who go in the ways of Hashem. By demonstrating kindness to others, we too are matched with the most worthy partners, whether a soulmate, a friend, a business partner, or a calling in life. Kindness brings forth worthiness. It brings things into our lives that will be matched to the kindness. In other words, we have to know it starts with us. It's an incredible tool, an incredible idea. Similar to the tzedakah idea, God says, if you give, I will give you so much more. The parsha, even Avraham sending away Keturah's children to the east, that was the will of Sarah. And even Yishmael's teshuva, we're told because she banished him, and Avraham used to visit him, ultimately he did teshuva and allowed Yitzchak, the younger one, to go ahead of him when they buried Avraham. And it is only when this proceeded in this way that he could have existence, he could have a lineage of children in the world. We've got to realize what life is and how we can add value. You know, this week, I had occasion to go into the bank to get coins for Tzedakah. It was at the end of the day, and the tellers behind the glass were counting money. Piles and piles with elastics, rubber bands around them, a lot of money. And interestingly, when I said to them, how do you feel about this? They said, you know, after a while... We don't look at it as money anymore. It's just something we have to count. We have to realize that anything that loses its value 
as we hear from people when they get older, God forbid, or they're stricken with sickness, God forbid, the money means nothing. If you don't feel well, and we all know what that means, we're not ourselves. We can't enjoy anything. My late father-in-law, Allah Shalom, was a wealthy man in the war. But there was nothing to buy. He said they used to weigh their money. So little they could do with it. Money means nothing. It's just what it's worth, what it can do for you. And if you're using it just to pleasure yourself, that's selfishness. And we never get filled up. Whereas if we emulate Sara Imenu, seeing who needs, being sovereign over our own feelings, and giving like Hashem gives, we become elevated, we become changed, we become different, we become sovereign. You know, our grandchildren, Baruch Hashem, were here from Beijing, and the little eight-year-old and the 12-year-old went to school because in Beijing they don't have um, many friends. And they were trying. It was for two weeks just to connect. Well, the 12-year-old had no problem. He's a very friendly, very, very um, outgoing girl and so on. The eight-year-old, an interesting thing happened. He came home, and he was talking about rugby cards. Everybody was busy with rugby cards. I happen to have a lot of rugby cards. Well, he started taking them to school, and it really helped him to feel like one of the boys. But when they left, he left all the rugby cards behind because they have no value there. We have to examine our lives, see what is true life, See what can just be used in order to achieve the important things. Like, I need this to somehow feel that I'm part of the situation. But that's not my whole life. When I go back home, I'm not even going to take these cards with me. It was so special for me to see how he understood this, this little eight-year-old. And I must share with you something that some of you might have seen yesterday. There was this incredible video of a motivational speaker. He was speaking to parents and teachers. And he was speaking about what children need in life in order to be able to feel good. And he was speaking, the analogy he gave, he said, a kid who's popular and handsome and academic and integrated, all of those things give him poker chips. It's like he's rich. He's got poker chips. And even if someone insults him, if he's got a 100,000 poker chips, so an insult is like taking away five poker chips. He can still play the game. He's still very much in the lead. But what if someone is physically not strong? What if someone is intellectually not strong? We again go to the school image. What if someone 
just doesn't have those things that kind of put you into the they put you they they give you kind of strengths ahead of the game these are gifts and let's say he feels like he only has five poker chips you know if somebody insults him he's got nothing he withdraws he holds on to those few poker chips how can we help these children if we're the parents we've got to praise them we've got to make them lovely breakfasts we've got to constantly build them up because when we criticize we can actually take away all their poker chips they don't have too many to start with we have to see to it that we fill people up because we have the kindness of sara in our dna we are rahmonim we are goimle chasodim we are compassionate we are benevolent and we should be baishonim humble grateful ashreinu matov chalkenu baruch hashem that we come from this great lineage Baruch Hashem, that we have all the gifts that we do. Let us see to it that we uplift others. We fill up their pockets and their sacks with the poker chips that they need in order to get through life. Life's hard. You know, he described your child spills a glass of milk and you come screaming at the child, you're so clumsy. He kind of, it was a bit over the top. He's kind of describing a father who screams, I bet you woke up this morning early thinking of how you're going to ruin my day and other harsh words. And this poor kid says, I'm not going to school. I can't. Uh, I can't do it. We have to see to it that we equip our children, whether we're parents or teachers, others with whom we come into contact uplift inspire encourage and indeed that makes us more connected to Hashem who is the master of all of this wishing you a good Shabbos an uplifting Shabbos and may we merit the arrival of Mashiach when we will personally meet Avraham and Sarah good Shabbos